Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. I think we should start with the, uh, the glorious original Mario Brothers Arcade. Where it all began. Yeah, and that's still to this day, whenever we get together, we, um, at like conventions and all that, we, we jump on Mario and try to get as far as we possibly can in the arcade. Yeah, that was always a tripped out thing, because when I was a kid, Super, Super Mario Brothers was the thing that everyone had in, in the neighborhood, you know, for the NES, but then Brian showed me the original Mario Brothers, and I was like, holy shit, I had no clue. It was a whole nother thing. I had Mario Brothers on the Atari 2600, and, you know, I had an Atari since I was born, so, like, getting Mario Brothers was crazy because, you know, the NES wasn't even a thought at that point in my mind, so, like, I had Mario, and the Atari version is surprisingly decent, it's not, you know, anywhere near the arcade port. But it's playable, especially when, you know, you only have a joystick and one button. But you can play two players, and, you know, it's it's a classic little fun 2600 game. And so that was my version of, you know, Mario Brothers. Um, of course, I also had Donkey Kong on the Atari as well. So you got to play as, you know, Jumpman Mario. Yeah, and um, the Mario Brothers for 2600 has kind of retained its value somewhat. Has it? It's, you know, it's not like a 2 or $3 game. So, yeah, it's still, um, a lot of people still value it and want it in their collection, which, you know, it's not surprising. Yeah. I mean, anything Nintendo-related tends to be something that people want. I mean, you even have the niche of people who just want Mario stuff, and they'll collect that just because... Yeah, that's that's really um, the big thing, I think. A lot of people just want anything Mario, anything they can find, and it definitely exploded. Yeah, I mean, besides for the 2600 version, you have the other Atari console versions as well. And I would say the weirdest one that I have, though, is a Commodore 64 game that was on a bootleg disc, burned, 
Um, and it was called Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> and basically, it was like, I don't know if somebody made it, or if it was a bootleg, or what it was, but it was a recreation of the Game & Watch version of... It was basically like the Mario Brothers are mechanics, and there's oil falling, and you have to move the oil pans. And it was like oil panic or something like that. It was crazy, though. It was like Mario Brothers 2 is what it was called. That's, that's <laughs> jacked up, though. They recreated the game and watch. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if that was official or not. It didn't look official <laughs> when I played it, though. Someone, like, programmed it? And, you know, I had no clue it was associated with Mario Brothers Super Mario or anything because... Like, you know, it was way before that was even a thing, because uh, Commodore 64 was its own little beast, aside from Atari. And that's that's a good point, too, because um, Mario just had so many, like, occupations. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, exactly. Like, the, the, the plumber wasn't his first, you know, he's like a, a carpenter, construction, you know, with the wrecking crew, and... Well, yeah. You know, and then what you said with the oil slicks and stuff, like... <laughs> I mean, he's a referee, yeah. <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> yeah, he loves his pills. He's got his mushrooms and doing his drugs. <laughs> Jeez, Mario, Jeez. bad boy, hallucinogenics. That'll <laughs> <laughs> like losing his mind. Oh man, <laughs> seeing a whole mushroom kingdom. From mushrooms to pills, yeah. Mario, what have you done? Seeing dragons and can. <laughs> <laughs> Going after a, a female that he would never get in real life because he's a fat plumber. <laughs> <laughs> and man, it's just like it's just crazy what Super Mario Brothers for the NES just how like crazy that broke out. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Like everyone had a NES. Like all the people that I knew when I was a kid, um, as far as with they had a, you know younger kids in their family, they had like an NES most likely. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and it was just so like synonymous with the eighties and the the nineties, early nineties, where like wherever you would go you would see it. I was actually one of the last people that I knew to get an NES. Um, so I just kinda pined for it, which made it, you know, better of course when I finally got it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have mine till a few years later and like it was crazy because, you know, I, I think we talked about it on an previous episode but i was playing super mario brothers at the marshall's house back in the day like the neighborhood kids and i just remember playing super mario and i i recall like not wanting to jump on the enemies because you know in the original you have to hit them from below so i thought they would kill right. me if i jumped on them <laughs> and you know that's now like a staple of platforming that's a good point yeah so in the original it was way different to the format of taking out the enemies yeah so you popped them yeah, from the platform below. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. And then, you know, so you have some of the Goombas and things that climb, they're on platforms where you can hit them from below on the first level. But, like, that's why I think a lot of people kind of ran into that first Goomba is because they were like, oh, let me jump over the thing. And then they kind of, like, run into it instead, like you would in Mario instead of jumping on it. Which is weird. And then there's just people that are uncoordinated, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, and that's true, though, that you can hit them from below in Super Mario Brothers as well. So it's kind of like both worlds, the best of both worlds. You can hit them from below and you can jump on them. And it's like a genius tactic to be able to 
you know, jump on them and time jumps and bounce off of them onto platforms and like there's so many little useful abilities that even just the first game, the run in it. Yeah, which the run would be something that eventually you'd always hold down that run button. Yeah. At least we we would. It, it's uh, I used to joke around with like Barney about that because it was like we we would try not to hold it down. It's like impossible when you have the habit. <laughs> I think that's kind of the first introduction to speed running too, where you try to get through things as fast as possible because you'd be running all the time. So now it's like, all right, let's run and try to fly through the game. Yeah, and then then there would be people who would come up with who would find like the glitches and the crazy shit for Super Mario Brothers, like uh, Joey Lee who like lived down the street. Cause we we would have like uh, block parties uh, every summer, and it was that's the thing that was interesting too about the eighties and the nineties. Like everything was more social. Like our whole block would get together. It would be um, it would start off with a garage sale. So there was two blocks. On each side of me, Schreiber and Elmwood, and then I actually lived like at the alley, which connected the two. Yeah. And everybody would have like a garage sale on the same day. Neighborhood garage sales are, are classic. Yeah, and that was like the beginning of the block party, like shenanigans. So it was essentially like a massive toy swap because every kid. You know, would just throw in stuff that they didn't want or they were done with. And then all the other kids would just kind of, like, recycle it, you know. And Kyle would put out none and take all. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Kyle calls that second Christmas. Right? (laughs) Those were great times, man. Yeah, because that's that's where I kind of um, got into the garage sale thing, too, where it's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And you just never know. There was a guy who would sell old shit, just all old stuff, you know, old army men, like the big ones and... He had uh, super old toys. So, yeah, you just never knew what you were going to get. And then when people knew that you were what you were looking for, then it's uh, like another Christmas. <laughs> it would be it would be interesting to see like how many areas of the US still do like block parties and stuff because where I'm currently at in Maryland, we've gotten together for multiple block parties this summer. And we've done, like, yard sales where we've kind of coordinated, but, like, we, I mean, we even had a Jaws viewing party in our neighborhood where we all watched Jaws in my pool outside. Like, it was, like, <laughs> we've done some crazy stuff, and, you know, it's like, there's obviously the garage sales now are nowhere near as awesome as they were back in the day. And it didn't seem like the kids were doing any kind of swap. But, like, it would be interesting to see if, like, people are like, oh, yeah, well, we still do that today. <laughs> yeah, and that was just a good way to meet people. So that's how I met, like, Joey and Joanne Lee down the street. Um, so their their parents were actually from China. They were the ones who um, would have ducks hanging, like, in their yard, just hanging from the strings. So people like, you know, the hell are they doing but yeah they would actually that was like the best duck i've ever had in my life oh my god but yeah so joey lee was kind of like and and he was he was the wonderkind right yeah and he was kind of like i wouldn't say um so i i met joanne lee uh she was my age and then joey was like a few years older than us he wasn't like autistic but he was kind of maybe like mildly Maybe like a, a mild case of autism, I would say. He, he wasn't someone you would walk up to and, you know, you could just hold like a normal conversation. He was, he was just a little bit different. Was he autistic or was he borderline genius? That's kind of 
<laughs> sometimes it's like, yeah, some people who are autistic are like, like, the, like Rain Man, you know? Hard to tell. Yeah, so he figured out on his own how to get to Minus World. Jeez. When you get to 1 2, when you're underground, there's the pipe before you jump over the wall to get to the warp zone. He found out how to like warp through that pipe. It's a block block glitch. Yeah. Ducking. And so that was the first thing and then he also found the glitch where in the castle where if you hit the axe that, you know, takes out the bridge with Bowser on it, um, right when Bowser hits you at the same time, you will actually flip your um, large and small. So basically, <laughs> when you get hit by Bowser, it doesn't register that you shrank. Because I, I guess the whole thing is you hit the axe at the same time that Bowser hits you, and it doesn't register that the hit, but the hit does exist. So in the next level, you're big, but you should be small. So That's if you, crazy. Yeah, so if you get hit when you're big, then you die. And, like, <laughs> everything reverses. It's a really bizarre glitch. But, yeah, he, he figured that out, and then he would just figure out a way to do it and, like, show people, you know, who, who came over and stuff like that. Just, like, messing with random things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess people still find glitches to this day with that with the original Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, I think there's a YouTube channel. Well, it's not the channel, but I think it's a series. It's called Son of a Glitch, and they uh, and they do that. And then there's the Easter Egg Hunter, and I think he does something like that. He calls them Easter eggs, but yeah, there's people who literally try to farm out stuff in like newer games and older games. Yeah, because with his, if you got the mushroom when you were big, then you would go, then you would get small. Which is awesome. It's so weird, yeah. <laughs> Basically breaks the rules of the game. Yeah, like tricks it. And, and then when you die, it resets. Yeah. But just someone who could find that out on their own, when they're a kid too, because we were like super young. I mean, what, like six, seven years old probably? He was maybe ten, something like that. Yeah, the kid's like insane. Yeah, so it just shows you like how people can find that kind of stuff especially if you're just sitting around doing that all the time it's just you kind of like eventually it'll happen and you're like oh cool you know well it's like when you obsess about one game and only play that game it you can tend to find little things that nobody else would think to look for because you're just playing it so much yeah yeah and that's that's kind of like with playtesting too I would figure if you're making a game you'd, you'd be the one to find all that weird stuff Absolutely. So that was a classic memory. Um, other than that, just everyone in the block had it, and, and pretty much everyone's house that you went to, they had the Duck Hunt and the Super Mario Brothers for the NES. And it was just so synonymous with kids. It was like, God damn. It was just nuts. I mean, it really was. That's where it's crazy now, where you see people selling Super Mario Brothers for 20 bucks when everybody had it. So it's one of the most common games ever. Oh, God. And yet people people are paying $20 for it now. It's insane. Yeah, which is really wild when you think about how the the tides turn and how something even so common, now it's just so classic, though. Yeah. Yeah. And Freaking craziness. They, they really did hook you up, though. You got Duck Hunt, and you, you also got a Super Mario within that package. I mean, that's pretty good. 
especially nowadays, they don't give you anything with the system. Yeah, I remember the Marshalls had the world class track, track meet, you know, triple cart, which Ooh, yeah. you and I, you and I both had two different versions of Mario Duck Hunt. I think we got them around the same time, but I got a hand me down from Tammy, so I had the gray gun. Yeah, I, I ended up getting that was the um, the version that I got with the triple cart. So you had the triple cart version, then you had the Super Mario Duck Hunt version. Now there was a version that had like a line, like a white line that yep. separated the Super Mario Brothers and the Duck Hunt. And then there was a version that didn't have the, the white line, the line that separated. Yeah, the NES car variants are crazy though because they use TM and R on different labels and variations, and then the Nintendo logo changed and different plants did it differently, and like it was just. There's literally like twenty or thirty variants of every game, <laughs> and like the instruction manual. I think I have a Mario, Super Mario Duck Hunt instruction manual that has a the seal of quality on the front, and then there's one that doesn't. <laughs> so it's just so many little little things, yeah. And then you you had just your Super Mario Brothers without the Duck Hunt that you yep. could buy like single, you know, the version by itself, or that came with the NES as well. So they, yeah, it got really nuts. The one that I always saw, you know, that was the classic Duck Hunt Super Mario Brothers, though. Yeah. When I got it, I had the orange... I got the orange gun, so that shows that I got it later. Yeah. But most people had the gray gun. Yeah, because Keenan also had the red gun, and I had the gray gun, but I got mine as a hand-me-down, so it was, you know... Like, I had it around the same era as you did. I just got a used one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thus started my venture to not getting new systems. <laughs> and that goes back to the whole garage sale mentality where we would look for games. And because, like, this, it was super expensive. It was super overblown expensive. So you really, that was the, the best thing to do, was just to look to see if someone was selling it, someone was tired of it, and you could get it cheap, you know, for sure. That actually leads into a good Super Mario Brothers 2 story. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I... Again, didn't get it new, but um, like the first year I got my Nintendo was my birthday. I think it was a hand me down from my sister who wasn't playing it anymore, and so she gave it to me. I had Mario Duck Hunt and TNC Surf Designs, and then for Christmas, this was the classic where you've mentioned before in the cast where my grandma, Grandma Maria, was always looking for video games for me all the time. And that was this Christmas. She was looking for video games. And lo and behold, you know, this was the same time that I got the Home Shopping Network, like See the Wizard, all that. She got me uh, Ghosts and Goblins and Athena. And, you know, they're classics. I was playing them a little bit. And our buddy Brian, who we've already mentioned, gives me a call on the phone. And he's never calls me, you know, I like hardly ever hear from him unless we're doing like a family get together. And he's like, he's like, so I heard you got some cool games. Um, how would you like to trade? Cause he really, I found out he really wanted Athena and he's like, how about you trade both ghosts and goblins and Athena for Mario brothers too? And I'm like, oh, cause I, I wanted super Mario brothers too for Christmas. Didn't get it. And I wouldn't be able to get it for like months because, you know, I didn't, get games ever so i would have had to wait till like the next time i had a birthday basically and it was crazy because i was like well i don't want to get rid of ghost and goblins i really liked it and because it was hard and it was fun yeah i like the horror aspect and everything and he's like well what about just athena 
So he was like already bartering himself. Like, like he already played his cards. Like he, re- he really, really wanted Athena, but he would have took two games for one. And so, so yeah, he, I ended up doing the trade, and because I didn't really care for Athena that much. Oh yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so then I got my uh, my copy of Super Mario Brothers 2, nice and minty fun, and it came with the uh, manual, uh, no box of course, but that game was hard as fuck to find. Mario 2 was super hard to find, dude. I, it was never I could never rent it because it was like never in stock. And it was crazy. I just remember getting it though, and it was so cool because I was able to figure out a lot of the warps. Because um, Mario 2, I don't think was in any of the classified informations that I had for Nintendo Power. So I kind of had to figure out where the warps were myself. And that was me going down pipes and stuff when I would throw the potions. Oh, going down the um, like the, the vases? Yeah, go down a, a vase and then you find a warp zone. So Joey, Joey Lee had Mario 1, 2, and Double Dragon. So that was kind of like my childhood... Before I had the NES, and I would go and hang out with, you know, Joanne and stuff when we would play. But yeah, it was, so he figured out the warp to, I think, the in the first level, and then there's a warp in the fourth level. Yep. Uh, with the whale. Yep. Yeah, and then you go to level six from there. I kind of, like, figured those out myself, too. It was crazy, like, crazy world. You, you did figure them out, though, that's true, though. Like, the, the crazy thing is, to this day... Whenever I play either Mario 1 or 2, like, I usually use warps. I never play it, like, straight through. Just because it's always fun to remember all the cra- little, crazy little cheats that I always found. Yeah, there was one time where, where we actually had Joey play straight through. So yeah, he was just, like, that kind of kid, the savant kid. <laughs> it's like the actual real life, the wizard. Like, he had the little, like, autistic kid playing games for you. For your own expense. <laughs> and it's it's interesting, too, because, like, I don't know, maybe 20 years later, he um, came walking down the alley. I mean, my I was helping my dad with, like, yard work or whatever, and he was, like, the same. He hadn't, like, his mental capacity hadn't aged, but he was, like, couldn't believe how I'd grown up. And he was, like, wow, you know, <laughs> he, was, he was almost in tears. Because, yeah, I, I think with him, he didn't have too many friends, so it was, like... I was one of the people that treated him nice, you know? But, yeah. Thing is, though, is like, hey, you want to play some Nintendo? As he just said, bring him in. That's why I said, I was like, oh, I'm I'm so into this stuff, and he, he wasn't into it anymore. Ah. Uh, yeah, he had, he was, I think he's gotten into, like, plants or botany or something, I don't know. But, yeah, so. You say, hey, if you ever want to be cool again, <laughs> jump on some Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I did make sure to tell him, though, like, you got me into this stuff. Because of you, you helped me get into it, you know, and showed me stuff. Because he, with, with Double Dragon, he also figured out, just uh, as a sidebar, he also figured out the glitch where you go up through the ladder on the first stage. Oh, yeah. And he figured out the the barrel, how you throw the barrel, and it like goes up through the screen. And he figured out in the second level, you can keep the bat and just keep gaining points. There's like a a part where you just hit the hit like an invisible spot. Oh, yeah, the invisible block. It's classic. And also the part where level two, where if you go down the ladder with the boss, when Chin comes out, if you go down the ladder, you can just kill him like that. You don't have to fight him. Oh, yeah, I do that every time. 
Yeah, so that was those were classics, though, man. Yeah, so um, but man, Mario two, and it's so funny with Brian because he was such a swindler, like <laughs> such a swindler. It's so funny because he called you, and it's like, what do you want? You know, you know, he wants something from you, like yeah. That's the kind of person he was. He didn't. He, he was. He didn't contact you unless he had like a, a like a scheme. You know what I mean? I just remember, <laughs> like in the end, I still got we got the best of him for sure because like he was I, I don't know like one of the last times i talked with him i remember going over there and basically this whole place was already cleaned out because he's traded all for drugs or whatever yeah and like i saw some commodore games but they're all bootlegs and i was like hey what are you doing with those he's like i was just gonna throw them out i'm like well i'll take them <laughs> and i got all his commodore games nothing was legit there wasn't one real one in the bunch that's cool though. My mom was like mad. She's like, "You're gonna owe him." <laughs> <laughs> she like, knows he's like because the way he is. <laughs> That's amazing. They, you know, I was older by then. I was like high school age or whatever. I was like maybe, but it's all bootleg stuff. It's not worth anything to anybody but me because I want to play them. And I think that's when I got the classic Space Taxi, which is awesome. I still have that, and it's still playable to this day. Yeah, I mean, from that point, Brian wasn't the same person, you know. No. He was, uh, he was an addict at that point. It's unfortunate. You're, like, possessed, basically. Yeah. That's how I see it. Your totally, mindset's totally different. But, yeah, he, he actually loaned me this first Mario Brothers. I do remember him having Athena, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah, that was, that was from the legendary trade. Because he hated it. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Guarantee he regretted that trade. Yeah, and he had Deadly Towers, too, which was another, like, shit game. Another awesome game. <laughs> <laughs> and people actually say now it's good, but you have to know how to play it. It's just so esoterically, like... You could, that could be said about, like, majority of games is it's in the eye of the beholder. If you don't understand how to play it, you're just wandering around getting your ass kicked. Yeah. You, you almost have to know a few, two or three, like, super tips, and then you can get your start. But, yeah... Good old Brian, man. Good old Brian. That was really my introduction to, like, video games, was Brian, though. Yeah. That was the thing. Like, my block with the kids and Brian. But, see, Brian was good. The kids in my block were just kids. So, Brian was actually, could beat the game. So, it was like, whoa, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Mario 2 was super fucking hard to find. I really gotta, I can't emphasize that enough, how hard that fucking game was to find, dude. <laughs> you never saw it anywhere, not in the rental stores. Not in the real stores, like, jeez. And then the complete opposite happened with Mario 3. It was fucking everywhere. Well, that was one that was like, once I saw that game, that was one that the Dobbins were playing when I went in their basement. One day, you know, one magical day, <laughs> you just go down there, and when I saw that, it was like, oh my god. Like, oh my fucking god. Like, I need, and I knew I had to have it. That's that kind of game. I remember that was that was the game that I got like almost immediately when it came out because I saved up money. And what you said so true because I expected it to be super rare, but when I went to Toys R Us, they had like an overflow of for for the listeners who were younger, you would they would have that slip in Toys R Us, so you wouldn't grab the game per se. You'd grab a slip, grab a piece of paper, and it's behind the counter. Yeah. So if you didn't have if the slip wasn't in there, that means they didn't have any games in stock. Which was the Mario 2 story, you'd always go and all the slips would be gone. But Mario 3, they made sure to, like, overstock 
the hell out of it. So you, it was like overflowing with slips. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, yes, you know, the gods are on my side, you know. <laughs> they always were. And that was, <laughs> that was one of those games that it's like, I had to have it. Like, it was crazy, though. That's everybody, though. We all knew. Like, oh my fucking god, this is amazing. It had so much coverage in, like, Nintendo Power magazines, and we were all talking about it. They had the whole movie buildup with the wizard. It was freaking crazy. The graphics, too, was just so um, wonderful and colorful, and you had the, the ability to fly. And a million power-ups. And when you saw the raccoon suit, you, uh, we all pretty much flipped, because you could fly... And it was like, oh my god, Like this changes everything, dude. Yeah, it was something that we never expected to be able to do. And then when we were able to, it's like, ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it, oh my god, dude. The raccoon suit just changed the world. And I don't know, did you see The Wizard in the theater? No, no. Because I rented it. Yeah, I probably watched it with you at some point. And by that time, when I rented it, like, I had already beaten the game, and I just remember watching the movie and being pissed off, and I'm like, how the hell does this kid, the very first time it's revealed, know where all the warp, where the warp whistle is? Yeah, so I'm like, what the fuck, there's no way anyone, not even the savant living down the street could do that. And I'm like, and how are these points totaled? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, random. And that's funny, because that's kind of how we can date things because at that point I wasn't hanging out with Joey Lee anymore. So it's like Mario two was the end of that era. And then Mario three was like a, almost a different era with my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost, I wasn't hanging out with the black kids anymore. I was more like going to Dobbins house and hanging out with my school buddies. It's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting though. Yeah. It's, but that was the game I, when I was coming home, as I've mentioned before, it was like, I just felt, it was like the happiest ever, you know, when you when you had it in your hand and you knew like you could play it within the next ten or twenty minutes. <laughs> this is great. That's what's called getting the Mario experience now, because like whenever a new, even to this day, like Mario Odyssey just came out for the Switch and everybody's having their Mario experience where you literally play the game until you beat it. Like I did it myself. Hell, <laughs> like play the game and master and beat it and now though like mastering a mario game is not simply beating it anymore now they have so much extra content like not even close but like playing it and just destroying it for a weekend is still a thing which is awesome that nintendo can still capture that magic mario 3 they they added didn't have unlockables but they added you know like your bonus treats little mini games and i think that's another thing that made it special and the seldom found hammer brother suit Ah, yes. Level 5. One of my favorites. I always <laughs> used to love finding that in the Tanuki um, suit. And in the fifth level, you had to work for that Hammer Brothers suit. Because, you know, the, yep. the toad houses, but you have, to get, you have to beat a level to get to that house. So it's one of those things where you know that it has to be a good reward if they're making you beat a level to get there kind of thing. Um, Mario 3 was the first cart that I got. It was, like, loose. I can recall getting it, I thought something was wrong with it. They didn't, like, tighten the screws enough, so you could hear the... You could hear the board moving around because they, they didn't tighten it enough. Damn. So that was one of the things where um, I was thinking they must have made so many so quickly that, like... 
Um, it was just so fast that the, like little mistakes would happen where you know you get like a one with a loose board or whatever. But yeah, you just had to like tighten it and it would tighten. I, I didn't do that till years later, of course. Well, because you didn't have the bit, so <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah, until you became a collector, uh, like an adult collector, and kind of like matured into. Uh, I, I need these tools to make this work, and that. Cause when you're a kid, you know it's like whatever. <laughs> I think my my classic broken cartridge was I got a used Mega Man Two, and it came with like a card manual. It wasn't a manual, but it was like one of those that you come with the rental store. It was like Mega Man Two printed off hints or something on a one card. But um, I mm-hmm. got that, and it was broken, like the game. So like I literally would put the game in the system. It wouldn't work unless I folded up a piece of cardboard and put it in the system to press pressurize it down <laughs> and then it would work falsely that reminds me too because matt norby another friend we we would use like a lego piece like, like your classic like thick brick lego piece to hold it down because his had the same issue but his had the same issue just the nes the spring was yeah see that was with just with that game and then that's so weird the funny thing was though is that like i remember complaining about my nintendo like blinking around the same era as mario 3 and then i think the next birthday tammy came through and got me a new one with mario 3 but i already had mario 3 did she get you this the the new the mario 3 nes pack was that the nes 2 the nes 1 no this was the nes 1 with Mario 3. And it was just funny, though, because I remember, like... Because we knew nothing about games back then. We just were like, oh, the Nintendo's broken because it keeps flashing. Exactly. And so, like, I was tired of blowing my games. I'm like, I need a new Nintendo. The new Nintendo did the same thing. Because it was obviously it was the dirty games. <laughs> but, like, it was just funny thinking about Because then I would end up using my old Nintendo because I knew how to get that one to work more than the new Nintendo, which had different nuances. It was like... <laughs> crazy it was no joke though because at at joey lee's house sometime we sit there for 20 minutes trying to get double dragon to work yeah and 20 fucking minutes dude like no joke knowing what we know now it's like real easy to get this shit to work but it's like back then yeah q-tips and just the way of flicking the the cart a little bit yeah just pressurizing it to the right slightly and it works flawlessly yeah, I wouldn't get my NES 2 until, I think, an, a year later for Christmas. I mean, if it was that same year, that would be crazy, because that means I was complaining that much in a two-month span that then my you know, Grandma Blondie would get me the freaking NES 2 top loader. Well, just with Mario 3, it's just, just thinking about it, like, the suits really changed everything. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's it's such like a, a crazy fun game. Like there's just everything about it like was just like a joy to play. But you have the option to put on a suit or not. So every level, you know, you can it can be different each time you play it, kinda. Exactly. And yeah. like even the frog suit you can swim around real fast or you can just play normal swimming. I always remember the classic with that game. Um the first two levels everyone would pretty much beat and then the third level was kind of a make or break for a lot of people yeah they couldn't get past it and then everyone liked the fourth level the big world that was like everyone's favorite when i was a kid absolutely big world was was a classic i don't know why it's just (laughs) so cool the idea of everything's like even like little nemo has a level where everything's big probably probably why we also liked uh, micro machines so much back in the day yeah i think it's a cool gimmick that 
it's like Toy Story, the actual movie, where like you're like a miniaturized little toy, so everything is just exploded and big. Yeah, it's a cool idea. It's a really cool concept. It's just the cool thing about Mario Three. It it made every level like interesting, and then you kind of had your, you know, your ice world and your air world and um, the end with the lava world and. The, pl the plat world. <laughs> yeah, like, everything had, like, an all its own little, like, um, universe that existed in. And it really kept it fresh the whole time you played it. And my favorite was um, the air world. So I think that was five. Level five. So level yeah. six was ice world. I like the buzzy, the flying buzzy beetle level. Yeah, that was awesome. And you would, to get to the sky, you had to go through this, like, temple... So the first half of, of the fifth level was, like, on the ground, and then you got to that temple that, like, went to the sky, and then the second half was in the sky. That was pretty genius, though, like, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was, like, phases. And you can go back if you want. So that also was an interesting thing where you could go back to the ground level. It's, like, an option where most of the times in the Mario levels, when you beat the level, it was, like, closed off. Yeah. You know? But uh, there were some things that you could revisit. Yeah, I think it would be cool to like go back nowadays and just play through and beat every single level in the game. Like, don't skip any. Right, yeah. Beat every level. Because there's always those couple that you probably skip over that it's, it's, it might have been... It might have been since the first year that I had the game that I haven't seen a couple of the levels. Because I just haven't played them. That's a good point. Yeah, like level 6 and 7, the ice level and the plant level... Probably, for the most part, those ones. Oh, yeah, those probably have a lot that haven't been seen. Because they're tougher. Yeah, it's classics. It's so fun, though. It's a thing. And we can't forget about the flutes. Gotta talk about the flutes. Magical mystery tour. So <laughs> so that's another thing that became, like, a thing of lore. Magical whistles. <laughs> it's like, the key is you just gotta get people talking, you know? Yeah. Talking about your game, and... The whole schoolyard thing again. Like, Zelda and Mario 3 for the NES are just the two biggest ones I can recall where, man, we just talked forever on that shit. And it was like you found that there's the two in World 1 and the one in World 2 hidden. And everyone knew it, too. It was crazy. Mar I know Nintendo Power revealed some of them, but I don't know if it... I mean, the wizard revealed the ducking on the block. It's like the strength of just word of mouth. Yeah. You know, because, like, everyone knew it. And it's just, even if you had seen it, whatever, wizard or not, you know, you just, you, you would hear about it eventually. It's kind of like a rite of passage, Mario 3, like, growing up. And then the cool thing, too, was Mario 3, you did a legitimate battle with Bowser. Because, and you can't hurt him unless you have, like, a million fireballs. And the classic joke when you beat it, you know princess is like oh she's in a different castle or whatever just kidding yeah <laughs> so that's that's funny yeah but see it's interesting because like jeff for the listeners jeff grew up more in like a rural area and i grew up more in like a city yep. area so i what i got to see was how everyone was like tuned into the same radio station frequency basically mario 3 it was like um metallica black album or something we're just like every our final fantasy 7 Everyone is on the wavelength, you know what I mean? I would say that Mario 3 was the f last game, maybe even the first, maybe the first and last game until Final Fantasy 7, 
that I actually had the game when it was released. Because I would always get stuff late. So then by then, all the kids would have already been moved on to something else. Yeah, it was a game you had to have. Like, I gotta get this. <laughs> but Mario 3, Final Fantasy 7, because that's when I got the crazy stories where we're all playing and soon you can beat it the fastest. Like, that was one of those games. It, I mean, there's probably a few in between, but, like, that was legit. Because I remember that's kind of why, like, the Super Nintendo, I didn't get it till much later. So, like, all those experiences were, like, me. But, like, Nintendo was still crazy because everybody was playing it. Man, and all the variants from Mario 3. I mean, there's, like, 30 box variants or some shit. More, probably. More, probably. Yeah. It's like just, like, so many small little things. Got the two major ones where they move the bros. That's the major one. Yeah, and I, I have one where his hand is under the text. It's crazy. So they did stuff like that. A little photoshopping, a million different variants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I don't know what the point would be. For some reason, they saw some merit in it. I don't know. Yeah, I could see, like, fixing little stuff to make it more viewable, but the fact that it was mass-printed is madness. I did want to mention, too, there were only two instruction manuals that I had to tape, and that was Legend of Zelda and Mario 3, because I read them so fucking much. <laughs> and Mario 3 had all the enemies in the back, and they had so many bad guys. I was just always interested in the art, because, you know, as kids we would draw and stuff like that. So I was always interested in the, the artwork and stuff like that. But you oh, had yeah. so many enemies, and they really went into detail, and it was so colorful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that's 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 just how you cut your teeth as a kid. With That was how I convinced my parents that it, uh, it was a proactive thing because it taught me how to read. So it was like, oh, you know, he's he's learning to read through this. This is a good thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Convincing Kyle, that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we go to the next major one, we have to go where my childhood took me. I don't know if yours took you to the same adventure, but I, as I said, I didn't get Super Nintendo for a while. But I still played Mario because I got the Game Boy. And on the Game Boy, the first major Mario game that I played was Super Mario Land 2. Same here, actually. Now, Mario Land 1 was obviously out earlier, but I didn't get a Game Boy immediately. I do remember playing it, though, at um, our cousin Crystal's house, which... That would be out in California. I went and visited as a kid, and I remember playing their Game Boy and playing and beating Mario Land, and it was really fun. But I remember how like rudimentary it looked, where like Mario Land Two is like traditional Mario game, freaking crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, Mario Land was actually like my white whale. I never got. I didn't end up getting. I couldn't find it. Can never find a copy of the first Mario Land forever. I, I never saw it. I mean, I remember playing it at, you know, the cousin's house in Cali, but I don't remember seeing it after that. I, I think it was kind of the same thing. Like, Mario 2, 3, everyone just fucking loved Mario, man. But yeah, Mario 2 was amazing. Yeah, Mario Land 2. Oh my god, the, the six uh, the coins? Yeah, the six golden coins and the introduction of Wario. Oh my god, but that was more like a Mario 3 uh, sprite style, 
where like like you know bigger sprites, larger, thicker. Where the Mario Land, everything is like so tiny and minuscule. It's still a great game, but it's just it like you said, it's very rudimentary comparatively. And I, I mean, Mario Land Two, you could run around on the world map. Then you had that, which is like Mario Three as well, where you could pick where you wanted to go essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was like a kind of like that overworld Joe and Mac whatever type map. You just run around. You can go revisit levels if you want. Um, there's little secrets everywhere. That game's a masterpiece, though. That can't go understated. I fucking no. love that game. The game was awesome. And that was the thing. So, like, that was the new Mario game that I would play because I didn't have a Super NES. So, like, I was literally playing that. The uh, re-release of Donkey Kong, which you play as Mario and... Like, it, there's like 100 levels, a ridiculous amount of levels. That game is freaking awesome. I think with Mario, the first Mario Land wasn't, you can get into like a, a ship or, a, you, it was like a plane level. Summer, there's a submarine level and a plane level. Yeah, and that's really weird. That's different. And the fireballs, like, they hit the ground and bounce at an arc. It's like a ball almost. That's different too. And the turtles, when you hit them, they turn to a bomb. That's what it was. I knew there was something really weird with the Koopas. Bunch of stuff. Really weird shit. Now, there was one little trivia piece that I've seen recently. Um, you remember the in Mario Land 2, the Lego level? Oh, absolutely. So, apparently, back in the day, Nintendo did their own version of Legos called NB, Nintendo Blocks, or something like that. Huh. And they were sued by Lego for infringing on patent, and they Nintendo actually won. Whoa. Because they rounded all the corners or something, so they were different enough to where they could sell them. But um, obviously, they weren't. You, they weren't like Legos where you could like build anything because of those rounded corners. So yeah, you're you're limited. You would build what the set was, and that was it. So it didn't become popular. But it actually, if you play Mario Land Two, it actually has NB on the side of those. Well, no shit. <laughs> so it's like a. a Shout out to the past of Nintendo. I, d- I didn't even know that until, like, recently. That's a really good factoid. Yeah, I never had any... Because, yeah, there's definitely, like, a Lego level, and it's kind of the same idea as Mario 3, where there's themes. Mm-hmm. Each level has a theme, which would they would kind of take for the rest of the series, generally. Oh, absolutely. That's a really cool factoid, though. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with the rounded bricks, you can't do much, though. No. You're kind of limited in scope. That level, though, there was no rounded bricks. <laughs> right. They were definitely, they were definitely Lego style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's freaking classic. Stick it to them. Well, it's kind of that whole, where you're small again, like everything's kind of big. Absolutely. You kind of get that, that feeling of minuscule scope. From there, though, I never got Wario Land, which was Super Mario Land 3. I never got that either. I did get the Virtual Boy Wario Land, though. I remember playing that at your house. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, Virtual Boy. I don't know when we're going to hit that again. <laughs> <laughs> we may not. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I remember um, one day just coming home, or, or my mom asked me, like, hey, do you want one of those? And I'm like, sure. And it was literally marked down to 25 bucks. <laughs> and all the games were like a dollar a piece or $5 a piece or whatever. So I ended up getting... Mario Clash, it came, it came with tennis, Mario Clash, which was literally Mario Brothers, 
but you're on a 3D plane and you throw turtle shells through a pipe and it hits the back plane from the front plane and you can knock out all the turtles and it was really addicting. <laughs> Sounds awesome though. Like nowadays. Yeah, and, and the game is awesome. It's one of the better playable games on the Virtual Boy. Um, I used to love Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, so obviously I wanted Tellero Boxer. Um, the game's ridiculously hard to play though. I never got it as a kid, um, was able to do much, and then I got Wario Land, so (laughs) I played the shit out of it, and that is still considered by many to be the best Wario Land game, is the Virtual Boy one, and it's a solid, really awesome Mario-style platformer, and you get little power-ups and different hats that Wario can wear, and it's awesome. But, like, yeah, the Virtual Boy, I just remember trying to find a comfortable way to play that fucker, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents had that crazy island, so I could kind of sit there with it on the island, like the kitchen table island, and it would be almost right at my face. But you can only sit in those chairs for so long before your back started to hurt. Yeah, you gotta make kind of like a setup. Remember, like, laying on the ground with it sitting on my face. Classic (laughs) memory. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like no good way you gotta like sit still completely mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and of course after about 30 minutes you get a headache we have the red it takes its toll oh, it's even with uh, VR headsets nowadays after 30 minutes they recommend you don't play it anymore because you get headaches that makes sense so I mean it's like it was something that's so close to your eyes too so you're like straining because it's really close to your eyeballs when you got that though Gotta mention, like, you had the box, had the whole shebang, you know? Yeah, and I still have the the box, even though um, I did have a little bit of a mishap at one of my houses. It was in the basement, and the basement flooded, and that box happened to be on the carpet at the time, which it never was before, but that day it was, so the box is, like, warped now. Gonna have to use the Kyle Fuchsia straightening techniques of boxes. Oh, yeah. Get that fucker nice and straight one day. Yeah, just leave it under something really heavy for, like, 48 hours. I might have to make it more pliable, though, again. Get a little spray bottle and spray it like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool that they made the old, um... They made the old boxes pretty durable. But yeah, I still have everything from that. I didn't keep the freaking Virtual Boy boxes, though, unfortunately. Like, the game boxes. I and mean, that was the funny thing with the Pawn Stars. It was, like, overblown. They were selling it for, like, what, $400 or some shit. I don't know. Jeez. It was like, what? Yeah, okay. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I was going that episode. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. This is going to fuck up the market. <laughs> so remember, I have that, and then I have the um, AC adapter for it. Because, you know, they have the battery thing where it takes a million batteries or the AC adapter. Yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, batteries, eventually one's going to leak and then you got it fucked up. Now it doesn't work right, you know? I don't think they ever would leak because they literally last like two hours or three hours and then you got to replace them. So. Yeah, it would, be, it would be the if you just left it in there and just forgot about it. Oh, yeah. That's always the sad thing when you go to, like, garage sales and you look in the battery compartment. Oh... Uh, it looks like green nastiness with the little fuzzies and white fuzzies in it from the corrosion of the acid. It's all wasted. It's like, this isn't good. <laughs> Gotta get out that uh, metal toothbrush and just get away to scrape and fix that shit. Yeah, and there's ones that it's like in, it, you can't fix them. There's yeah. It's too far gone. There's a few, you know. 
Oh yeah. Especially on our arcade boards with the uh, the kill switch batteries, where they literally have the batteries above it, so they leak onto the board. Corrosion. Yeah. Well, I mean, acid it just eats. That's the problem. But we we also got to mention with the Game Boy, they had the um the the rabbit ears. Yeah, in the Super Mario Land too, the the rabbit where you could like float um, down slowly, and if you held the jump button, you could jump like continuously. This was kind of like. The raccoon, except a little different. <laughs> you couldn't like fly upward. You could, it was like in that you could just hold your jump a little longer, kind of like in decap attack. It's kind of crazy because it was literally like whenever I had the rabbit ears, I could like never get hit. <laughs> and then that would go into Mario Three Mix. Mario Three Mix is awesome because that goes into the wonderful and wild world of NES hacks. Yes, and that's one that I think everyone should own. So Mario 3 Mix is what Kyle's talking about, is a fan-created version of Mario 3, but it, it literally should just be called Super Mario Bros. 4, because it seriously takes the game, the guy, I think he took over five years to make it, something like that. Feels like it. I have a classic picture from a couple years ago at a convention where I had the creator sign a bootleg copy of the game, and he looks like hilarious in it. Super good quality. So. <laughs> it's like amazing. But like the game is is outstanding. I did such good work. Um, every world is kind of instead of having like a plant theme or ice theme, it's themed off of a Mario game. So you do have a Mario Land level where they actually have Lego blocks too. Um, <laughs> but but, like, one of the power-ups is the rabbit, which is awesome. Yeah. Now, I don't think it does the the bounding jump or whatever. I don't think it does that. Maybe it does. I, I thought there was one thing that it was missing that the Game Boy version had. But, like, still, to just have that. And, of course, you can play as Mario, Luigi, or Toad in a single-player-only game. Toad rules. But it's so fun. Yeah, man. It's It's, like, beyond what my expectations were for just any hack. Yeah, because I think there was like a, a hack called Mario Adventure that I had before that, and that was awesome game. It was fun. But like Mario 3 Mix is like the Mario experience that we had as kids again. Like it was just well put together, very... Because um, like with hacks, you'll see like the Kaizo videos online where, where it's like really, really ridiculously hard. Whereas this one, like, the the difficulty is perfectly balanced. Uh, yeah, that has to be said because it's the kind of difficulty where the first time you come across, you know, the hazard or whatever, it's, like, hard. But then the second or third time, you figure out how to beat it and you kind of advance your skill. So it's not, like, insanely hard, but it's not a pushover game either. And it does, like, different little mentalities and stuff. Like, there's a... One where there's anti-gravity and stuff, which is like Mario Galaxy for the, the Wii. There's also three star coins hidden in every level, and if you get all the star coins in the entire game, there's a whole other world with a new end boss. Like, it's just, the game's insane. Yeah, and it throws in kind of all the stuff that you've seen with all the Mario games in one big thing. So it's a huge throwback experience as well. New boss battles, too. And there's a save on the uh, the chip, so you can save your game yep. once you get those coins.
Super Mario World's an, another game changer. You could just like walk around on the the map, which is you know, just like in Mario Land Two that we mentioned. But this one, like, is just there's so many secrets everywhere, and a lot of levels. There's they introduce a key, and each um, stage has a number of levels that have like a secret in it. Now you can tell the levels with the secret because the dots red. Yeah, they're like flashing. The others are yellow, and they just. They're, like, normal. So that's how you know there's an alternate exit in the ones that flash. Wasn't this also the introduction of the ghost houses? Yes, which is amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. The ghosts came from Mario 3. Yep. So the classic, you know, if you were facing them, they, they're, they like, shy. But if you turn away from them, then they come after you, which is awesome. I mean, if, as far as a platformer, an enemy, that's, like, fucking great. Oh, yeah. You have to have, like, a gimmick, you know? And it's cool that ghosts are kind of like that in real life. Um, I mean, if they do exist, because they always seem to show up when no one's around or, you know, when no one's waiting or watching, They that's when you'll see the weird paranormal thing happen. So it's kind of like Japanese humor in a way. Oh, yeah. There's so much Japanese humor. I mean, having <laughs> Mario in a tanuki suit in Part 3, it's like a... Like a uh, statue with a boner in Japan or something. It's like <laughs> fertility statue. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a coon in Japan. It's like it's a type of like raccoon that they have natives in the, to their island. Little <laughs> jokes everywhere yeah. in Nintendo. But man, like, and then you have Yoshi in, in Mario World. And essentially, there's so much you can do with Yoshi. And we also talked in a previous episode how his... Original name was Hero, mm -hmm. with Dave Brooks. Dave, <laughs> with Trent Reznor. Yes, we said they they almost went with Hero, but they decided just to keep it with Yoshi. And I think Yoshi is just a really common like Japanese name, right? Like Yoshi Hero. How often do you punch a hero in the back of the head to make him stick his tongue out? <laughs> <laughs> or or jump off of his back and let him fall into a pit? <laughs> and that's the great thing about Yoshi is that you could, what I like to use him the most for with elevated jumps. So absolutely, Yoshi jumps and then you jump as Yoshi's jumping. So now you get essentially a double jump. I always liked using him to manipulate the game to do things that I felt like weren't you weren't supposed to be able to do, like hit a few of those secret levels like early because you could take Yoshi do a run, and then, like, jump off his back and jump into, like, the little keyhole area. That's what he was amazing for. That was actually, that's, like, a pro tip, I would say. Yeah. And also just, he's, like, an infinite free hit. As long as, once you get hit with Yoshi, you know, he starts running around. And as long as you can get back on him, you have your hit back. So it's kind of like you can go forever. And he can run the top of Prana Plants. Yeah, he can't get hurt. By you know the uh, ground hazards, and the more you eat, I can't remember how many, but he'll eventually poop out <laughs> an extra life. The colored dingleberries, <laughs> the little bear dingleberries, yeah. <laughs> so he eats the little berries, and then also if you eat the shells, which is a big key in the Star Road, um, yeah, where each shell is different for Yoshi. So if he eats a green turtle shell, that's just standard. He'll spit it out. Bow. Bow. But if it's a red one, you'll do the triple fire. 
The, the blue one is one you everyone wanted because it gives you wings and you can fly. You can fly. The yellow one gives you a stomp ability. Yeah, you could stomp and it makes little clouds to your left and your right. And it makes the guys on the ground like get you know stuck, phased out for a bit. So that was really cool. And then actual Star Road introduced the colored Yoshi's, which plays into Mario RPG with Yoshi Island. Yeah. 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 So the. The colored Yoshis, though, so you'd have your blue, yellow, and red Yoshis. That would always, like, the blue Yoshi would always fly, no matter what color turtle shell you ate. Yeah, so that's the thing with that. Once you And you can only find those on the Star Road, I believe. And then the crazy thing is after you beat the entire Star Road, you warp into a weird Mario world <laughs> with, like, Mario face heads and... <laughs> Everything's a different color and, like, crazy, trippy, uh, tripped-out shit. Really weird. Like, the bullet bills turn into raven, like, birds. Yeah. The Koopa Troopas have masks, like Mario masks. <laughs> it's definitely Japanese. So crazy. But the Mario World had the big-ass fucking bullet bills, too. Yeah, bonsai bills. Bonsai! <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> and the Torpedo Teds. Torpedo Ted. <laughs> Classic. Uh, the bridge part was probably some of the hardest to get the bonus stuff. There was one level with where you had to get the keys where you had to like fly underneath the exit. Fly under the exit. I remember oh. like as a kid, I died so many times there, but like now if we go back we could probably get it like first time. Yeah, it was a classic where you would just play it over and over and over and eventually you would get the timing of it though. It's a level with there's like saws that like go yep. around and so you have these cool hazards that they added there's a Mario World is fuck man I mean that might be it's a masterpiece that might be the best one now that I'm looking at it like well if you look at it objectively like Mario 3 has great stories with it but like overall like we skip levels Mario World it's a joy to play every single level <laughs> it's I mean yeah there is that yeah and this <laughs> The switch up of with the ghost houses, they're kind of constant, but yet not too much. Yeah. So it adds a, a cool gimmick. It's like a breakup of the the craziness. Yeah. And then we have the awesomeness of the um, different fortresses. Each fortress had it had its own little cool gimmick to it. And I believe if you went to a level that you already at, if you held the left and the right buttons and press start or something like that, you can go back to the level. Like the 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 crushed castles yeah yeah because all the levels you could go back to but like the crushed castles yeah if you held the special button key you could go back to them replay every level it's like ultimate replayability and then we we have to mention the uh infinite if you go to the uh forest of illusion there's a level where you can pretty much get infinite lives you keep getting stars and you just run through it, and you kill, like, you probably get, like, 20 lives. Yeah, there's the Caterpillar, the Wigglers, and um, the Falling Goombas in yeah. that level. And you just run, and the, the Caterpillars, I think, give you three three lives each once you, once you hit enough. It goes crazy, because it racks up. Seriously, you're, you're picking up, like, 20 at a, 20 a pass. And then you just press start and select, and then, you know, rinse and repeat. As the, the nerd would say. <laughs> <laughs> Rinse and repeat. It, it's like before you know it, you'll have 100 lives. And man, you, that one's really big. Secret. 
Um, there's also that cool secret in the second stage where, um, in the ghost house, where you get this the alternate exit and then you unlock that like special zone. The top secret area. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Because the top secret area literally has a Yoshi in it, so you can continue. If you go in there with Yoshi, you get a one-up every time. You can just keep going there infinite times. That's another thing. <laughs> I think the beauty of that is it lends itself to beating it. It's like, you know you want to beat this. We'll help you. Here's some lives, <laughs> you know. Yeah, if you find a couple little treats, you can basically be untouchable. Ooh, and we got to mention how you can beat it, like, really fast. Well, yeah, exactly. You know exactly the right path to take. You can go in World 2 or the Star World, jump around the Star World to right to World 8, right then. Yeah, so essentially maybe like 20, 30 minutes, maybe less, but if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of kills the whole thing, but it's just a fun speed run thing. Just something fun to do on the side. Yeah, I've never been... Speed, speed runs are always... I always thought um, high score and no no deaths were funner, because speed runs the game is secondary. Yeah, <laughs> you know you're just trying to get through it, which I kind of think the point of a game is to enjoy it. Um, but as a speed runner, you know you play it that many times, it's also very impressive. So definitely not speaking anything against that, but but yeah, so so yeah, so the the crazy thing is is that I mean we've talked about us getting our Super Nintendos in the past. So I got mine later, and mine came with Mario World and the Mario All-Stars combo cart. So we could definitely talk about Super Mario All-Stars and playing all the Mario games again in 16-bit. Okay, perfect segue. Like, Jesus. Yeah, man. <laughs> Jesus. Because, I mean, not only did did you have, like, the ability to now save in every Mario game, which was awesome. You also got to play the Lost Levels for the first time, which was, like, for us both being Super Mario Brothers freaks, like, being able to play a harder version of the game was, like, a dream. And kind of mind-blowing to me, because that's the one game where they kept the same format of the previous game. So, Super Mario Brothers is essentially, like, Super Mario Brothers insane version but they use the same like engine yeah the same sprites and the same tiles they didn't like redefine it they wouldn't do that again until the wii with mario galaxy one and two so that's essentially like a free let's just hand it off to our crazy tech team yeah you know and make like a freaking balls hard one yeah and it was like funny because we and like you and i enjoyed the shit out of it because it was harder the mentality was they didn't bring Mario Brothers 2 from Japan to the U.S. because it would be too hard for NES gamers. And that's the Gradius 2 story as well, from what I hear. Gradius 2 was too hard. That was one of the most enjoyable parts of All-Stars was the lost levels. The Gaijin mentality that the non-Japanese people couldn't handle this. Now, to be fair and honest and impartial, as we always are, playing the Lost Levels, instead of playing Mario Brothers 2, in the Lost Levels you can save, and not only do you save on every world, you save on every single level of the Lost Levels. So that's almost like a Battle Kid style thing, where, you know, Battle Kid, Fortress of Peril the Homebrew, you get one-hit deaths, but every five screens you get to continue on. So the Lost Levels, 
each level is balls hard, but once you beat the level, you can continue on the next level forever when you continue. Even when you save and come back. Right, and that was originally a Famicom disc system game, right? Yeah, but you still, like, in, and, you know, the classic Game Center CX, like, bonus episode on Season 1. Yeah, that's a good one. When you, when you die, you start over the whole game, so it was freaking brutally hard. That's a good one. They had the little savant kid come in. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you have to use your instinct. <laughs> had to help help Arena be the game with like the little child. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting though because I think they made the right choice with America because again, I never saw Mario Two in stock. If the lost levels was just you know kind of like regurgitated Mario One just hard. I think it may not have been as, like, gangbusters as Mario 2 in America. Probably not. It wouldn't have been the hit that it was. Yeah. So I think that was probably actually a good move. And then by the time you know, we're older, a few years later, playing on Super Nintendo, like, it was perfect time for them to drop the Lost Levels on us. Exactly. See, yeah, the timing was right with that, too, because now we were ready to take it on because it's something that is exotic to us at that point. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I mean, and we've literally milked every Mario game for what it's worth, including Mario World up to that point. So we are ready to have a new challenge. And Japan's just a whole other world. I mean, we can't relate to them at all. No. They're like super fans, so we're kind of like a one-off in that respect. At least in the the majority Maybe not us specifically, but as a majority, yeah. Which is super cool, though, that, you know, we were able to get that game eventually. Well, that's, I think that's why we like Game Center CX, like you and me, because we're, we're the more, like, crazy gamer. Yeah. Not just your, like, casual. And I enjoy seeing the Japanese culture aspect of it and how they react to it and it's a history lesson in their culture. Yeah, I can't believe that episode's still, like, one of the lowest viewed, too. I don't know, it's, people just don't get it. People don't. It's <laughs> like, dude, this is awesome. It's weird. Like, a lot of people just, they don't see the the awesomeness. Oh, yeah, it's... I mean, it's interesting. It's weird. But, yeah, like, going back to the whole Mario All-Stars thing, just mm -hmm. being able to play all the games again with ridiculously overhauled graphics was something I never I thought would be possible. Yeah, and that was one that I mentioned. I always thought they should do a Zelda one. Oh, yeah. Zelda All-Stars, you could do NES, those two. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Zelda Adventure of Link. And then you could do uh, Link's Awakening as well. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they could still do Mario Land. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They could do Jeez. a whole other release and all those. So there's three of those. With the third one we never even played. <laughs> well, the third one was Wario, and then there's a whole Wario Land. There's a whole Wario Land series that came later on Game Boy and Game Boy Color, like Wario Land Two, Wario Land Three. Like, it goes on. That's where if if we had the skill, we there would be things to do. Of course, Nintendo would be out for our blood, but yeah, no, it's one of those things though where it's cool to reminisce about them. Though. And I mean, with Metroid 2 for the Game Boy getting the remake treatment on 3DS with overhaul graphics, nowadays, like, anything's possible from Nintendo. 
Sure. So that's really the fun part about All-Stars and why it's a must-have. Because they are different games visually, so it's you're essentially, a, it's a different experience. Exactly. Yeah. And then from there, like, we wouldn't have another continuation in this type of series till the Nintendo DS and the Wii. Because, like, literally it went to 3D, which you weren't a huge proponent of at all. Yeah, it was alright. I didn't, um, I was never that good at it for whatever reason. I probably never played it long enough. I don't know. Many moons later, they did the new Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo DS, and then new Super Mario Brothers Wii, new Super Mario Brothers U, new Super Mario Brothers 2 on the th- on the 3DS. Like, like, they did a whole series, and that all culminated, though, later with Super Mario Maker, which that was like our legitimate dream is wanting to create our own Mario. And we mentioned the Nintendo fan hacks. Well, now with with this game, Mario Maker, which is on the Wii and there's a 3DS version, but the Wii one's the one that I have, or the Wii U version is the one that I have. Um, you can create your own levels. You, their skins are Mario, Mario 3, Mario World, and then the new Super Mario Brothers series. It's you get to see characters that were exclusive to World or Three in the Mario Brothers One graphical style, and it it gets people into the programming aspect too, which I think is very important because you you can understand with the Mario Maker, you know how the brick and the tiles and the layout to work, and that's that's creating a whole new generation. And that not anybody, not just anybody, can create a masterpiece of a level. Like, those levels that were created back in the day are, like, amazing. Yeah, you could do, like, troll levels, but that doesn't go very far, you know? And and everything is, you know, networked so you can play other people's levels. And even I, like, I played the crap out of it when it first came out. Like, you know, the classic Mario experience. You play the shit out of it when it comes out. Yeah. But, like, I guess there's tons and tons of updates that have been coming out. And so, like, there's, like, keys now and, like, tons of different little, like, extra stuff that they've added to give it even more depth to the levels that I haven't even messed with in the game. It's, like... Interesting. Oh, yeah, it goes forever. And then um, there was these, like, monthly or weekly or monthly challenges that you would play and you would unlock a new character. Those were cool. So there's an Arena one. You can play as Arena <laughs> from Game Center CX. Yeah. Like, on the U.S. released game. Like... Super cool. Fucking crazy. And, you know, Mario Maker is definitely a dream come true for those of us that, you know, grew up on all these classic 2D Mario games. Yeah, I mean, we do it. We should just mention Mario 64 just because... Oh, we can definitely touch touch upon it. Mario 64, for me, was a game changer, so... <laughs> And a lot of people, it's their first Mario memory listening to. Yeah, because Mario 64, like, I got my 64 on release day. Yeah, that's right. With Mario 64. Yep, I still remember that, because you came over to my house, we had a sleepover, and you played it, like, throughout the night, you know, because we we had tons of stuff going on at all times. Yeah, we probably had multiple TVs. (laughs) Multiple TVs, multiple music other rooms and shit like that but yeah you we had it on in the closet tv 
I actually had a little closet set up. Yep. You'd open the door and there'd be a little TV in there for a, for a time. So that we had it on that TV and then there was a computer and stuff we had going on with the Doom and all that. But yeah, the, that was like the whole weekend you were like rocking it out. But you, you got the controls down really good. But I was kind of just a dumbass and fucked hard with the controls. I'm like, where am I going? I, I, it's like almost with the joystick, I would like overcompensate, especially with flying. I would, like, push it too much in the one direction. It was really weird. I could never really get used to it. Yeah, you didn't You didn't get the analog aspect where you didn't. Where you could barely tap it and you'd be good. You'd always just, like, go all the way. It was like, jeez. And I think it was also to the point where, at that point, you are more content playing PC games, too, so you didn't really need to learn <laughs> either. Because you're like, oh, I'll just play Doom. But as far as the 3D, like... That was probably the best 3D I'd ever seen on 64, like, personally. I don't think it's ever been outdone. Even the you know, Ocarina of Time is close, but no. I, Mario 64 is, like, the ultimate 3D Mario experience, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Mario 64 is a masterpiece. And then on GameCube, you had Sunshine where they added a water pack, which was... It was interesting. It still wasn't a traditional Mario. And then on the Wii, you would have galaxy where you had all the crazy little planets you could run around and that those games are awesome then the wii u you had super mario 3d world which is like and 3d land was also on you know the nintendo 3ds but um 3d world you have four players running around but it's more like a combination of mario 64 and traditional mario where there's like little a lot more of like just traditional platforming that we liked. So if any three D game, that would probably be the one that you would dig the most. But then there's of course the game that was just released, which is Mario Odyssey on the Switch, you know, at the time of this recording. And so Mario Odyssey is like Mario sixty four but with the open world like GTA. The freedom freedom aspect. That's where it gets like infinite though. So how does it like open up with that? So, like, each world is, like, gigantic. Like, a huge world that you can explore. There's stuff hidden everywhere. There's moons, which take the place of the stars from Mario 64. You have moons everywhere. A lot of them are really easy to get, but then other ones are hidden away. Um, There's unique purple coins to every world that's their own currency, where you can buy stuff in a store. Oh, nice. Including costumes cool yeah and all the costumes are like based off of mario's history so there's you know you have an ice climber costume even or dr mario or nes open mario or yes like they're all there and every world has stuff that's of like readily available um where if you get like the sombrero costume in the desert you can get through a special door to get a get to a different area you know what i mean it opens up a new option. Exactly. Which is great. Replayability. Yeah, there's like tons. Tons and tons of cool stuff. Yeah, Mario's just kind of like that, you know? It's kind of like built toward open-ended earning things. It's just, there's so many bonuses to get. and You can kind of see, see it going in that direction, which it's gone in, you know? So the crazy thing was, is that I played through, I hunted down stuff as I went, like, casually, and beat the game, you know, in the first weekend or whatever, just like everybody did. But then 
like recently, and this will tell listeners about where I am in the game, I finally, you whittle down how many moons you need to get. And so like, it says this many more moons to go. So I got that down, and then it took me to the dark side of the moon. <laughs> yes. I was like, yes! Pink Floyd stuff. Hell yeah. And so I was going through that, but that's literally like boss rush. And you have three hits and fighting like four or five bosses in a row. I, I've only gotten to the fourth iteration of bosses, and I can't be, I can't get through it yet. Bam. So it's pretty tough. But the irony was, so I think I had to get 250 moons to be able to get to there. Now it's now the ship says 200, because I think I had 251. Uh, it says 249 left to go. I'm like what? <laughs> so there's. What? I, I think it's like if I as I read it online, I think it's like the darker side of the moon, and then there'll be like the darkest side of the moon. So it's probably <laughs> just like brutal freaking game. Jeez, they really go deep with that though. But like, imagine how many moons there are. Yeah, that I, I think it's close to a thousand. That's like insane. <laughs> it's just how much um, extra work was done. Yeah, that's kind of how I see that too. And recently with the Wii U, they started, but now they're doing, like, they'll probably have some DLC with it or something. So, like, some some extra stuff that they'll create later. Like, that's just crazy. That'd be a good idea. I mean, that's the beauty of the new games where you can just have add-on packs. So that's what good computer games would do. Like Duke Nukem, you'd have your all your add-on packs and stuff. That's actually a hilarious point as people complain about, oh, DLC and you never get your full thing. Well... PC games had add-on packs back in the day. 90s. <laughs> it's just old school, man. That's not new at all. <laughs> not at all. No, man. At all. You had Doom had D-Zone, uh, Master Levels, you know, and then Duke Nukem had, like, Duke It Out in DC, Nuclear Winter, which was your Christmas one. Well, shit, like, Doom had, like, new chapters. Yeah. Yeah, and then they would have Ultimate Doom. Which added another episode to the standard three-episode Doom. A lot of that were like fan, like TNT Evolution, which was Final Doom, was actually a fan-made. The whole thing was fan-made. So Final Doom was actually just like two huge fan wads. And if you actually rewind it even before that to the Commodore days, they did that with some games too. So it's, it's like since the beginning of gaming... Anytime there was expandable content or programmable games, which would be a Commodore and the PC, there was always add-on content because people always wanted more out of their games. It's just nowadays with the internet and everything, we can see how they're exploiting people. (laughs) And like, you know, people wanting to, you know, pay money to unlock stuff quicker like, instead of having to grind out and play a game for, like, a week like we would have back in the day, and now they can pay five bucks and get all those levels immediately. Yeah, and it was kind of like the add-ons back in the day were, like, a niche where you had to find the master levels of Doom and Best Buy. And it was, you know, far less common than Doom or Doom 2. So it was more of a niche where nowadays you can buy it, you know, digitally. So you don't have to track it down. It was also a bitch to get those to work sometimes. Those add-ons, yeah, because they just didn't want to work. A lot of times, you would have to figure out like a file structure. You had to put it in a certain space within the folder, or you had to have it read correctly. 
It's just crazy that now Mario Brothers is going to have an add-on. <laughs> I'd be like, that'll literally be like besides for you know Super Mario Maker getting free add-ons. This will be like the first time it does like a paid little thing in a mainstream Mario game. That's like more. It's finally because Zelda did it with the newest Breath of the Wild. Oh. They have they had DLC, but it was literally like the Master Quests and like tons of content that you paid like a little bit of money for. Um, like Nintendo did it the Nintendo way, where you pay something, but you're gonna get like what you pay for. And I knew about that immediately. I heard rumors of a Mario one, but I haven't seen anything like I did for Zelda. So they may not even come. I hope it does, though, because I would love to have, like, a whole other game to play. Yeah, and I'm guessing the Zelda price sold pretty well, so that's another thing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a moneymaker. But, yeah, dude, I think that's a good time to put a little bow on the Mario fun. Cool, bro. Another one down. Another freaking fun one, though. That was cool, though. We got to touch upon everything. and Those are always our favorites, so the, the memories. I think that's our viewers our listeners favorites too well we want to touch upon some of the stuff and if viewers want us let viewers listeners want us to uh, <laughs> want us if they want us to touch upon mario 64 and later games i got stories on them i got lots of stories on them if people still want it like just ask and you shall receive yeah we can pull it off even if it's something that i'm not good at you know i can still do the research and shit so well and i got Stories upon stories about cool stuff. It's like craziness <laughs> going through. That's the beauty about it. Yeah, it's like you don't have to be good at everything because that's part of the fun of games too where everyone has their niche. Exactly. Which is great. So there we go. Perfect. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264VGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. Alright, see you later. Woo! Later!